Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast on tour. 
and live coming at you here on Tuesday, December 21st. The winter equinox, the shortest day of the year. As someone posted on Twitter, the light is growing brighter now. Every day is 24 hours long. Don't believe the myth. (laughs) Well, the reality is the sun does set a little bit earlier, you know, and comes up a little bit later. I kind of, I love this day of the year. You know, it just feels like we've survived and we're now at a turning point and it only gets brighter from here on out. But then you're going to have to deal with daylight savings that's going to happen in early March. And that's just going to sit the whole thing back Don't, all over man, again. I haven't even figured out how we're going to get through New Year's. Don't just get us into March. Jeez. All right. I'm just going to take it one, one day at a time. <laughs> exactly. I will say, and we'll talk about this in a second, but I am going to be doing it comfortably and in style um my name is brian brinkman i'm a producer here at osiris media and i'm here with my close friends megan and jonathan how are you guys doing i'm cold because i don't have a plush robe yeah we're all just Um, jealous of your robe brian it's (laughs) so unbelievable uh, this is my first christmas present of the year and it um well we'll tell you about it here it is. I don't know anyone that can top this. This is a huge <laughs> shout out to uh, to my brother, as well as one of our presenting sponsors, Section 119, which we'll talk about here in a second. But um, I'm really excited to hang with you guys. I hope that, uh, you know, we've been, we've been talking for the better part of the month of December, which, as is wont in these times, has been interesting and filled with unknowns and terrifying moments and moments of clarity. But, you know, we're here. We're still doing it. We're talking about fish. We're kind of starting to make our final loop here towards the end of this live series as we move towards what will hopefully be, hopefully be a four-night run at Madison Square Garden to close out 2021 and send us into what will certainly be the greatest year of our lives, 2022. I don't know that. Um, It'll definitely be the next year. It will be the (laughs) next year of our lives. And today's episode is going to focus on MSG as a venue, as a place, and as a state of mind. We're going to dive deep into some of the MSG shows that we haven't covered through our New Year's run of the last couple of weeks. We'll talk a little bit about 96, talk a bit about 09, talk a bit about the Baker's Dozen. We're going to see if there's any other venues that kind of stack up to MSG, and we're each going to reveal... Maybe we already have, but we're each going to reveal our favorite show in Madison Square Garden history. Is that right, guys? Did I get everything correct today? I didn't do the reading. I don't know. Sounds good, though. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I think that's everything. Yeah. (laughs) We got the intro done. We need to uh, shout out some of our friends and sponsors. Who do we have talking about our first presenting sponsor? Yeah, that's me. That's you. It is me. And I'm so excited because our first presenting sponsor is Shift Genuine Cannabis. And they brought HF Pod back. They brought us back to cover all the shows over summer, fall tour. And you know what goes great with tour, right? Cannabis. I do. I do. Yeah. Yes, it does. 
So the Osiris team had a chance to visit the Shift Ranch outside of Telluride and take the tour. And I've heard it was a very amazing experience in a lot of ways. And I've heard RJ had a bit of like a man crush on one of the scientists there. And the takeaway that they've talked about is the care and attention to detail that Shift puts into growing their flower. The facility is beautifully high tech and every detail is thoughtful. They even got a chance to meet their on-site scientist and hear about tissue culture and advanced propagation techniques, which play a huge role in plant health and quality. And they saw firsthand the billions of data points on growing and environmental conditions that uh, Shift collects and analyzes to make sure the bud that you get is consistent, pure, and of the highest quality. So Shift sells flour, pre-rolls, cartridges, and concentrates. So please visit shiftcannabis.com to learn more. Meg, you did such a great job delivering the shift ad read. That was amazing. I think that might have been your Thanks. first shift ad read of the uh, of the season. That was excellent. It was. I was we're a little nervous. To, we're going to have to get so them thanks. to take you out there so you can I want a tour. directly firsthand, you know, because uh, it was rad and cool and mad data points and things. But um, I like mad data points. Yeah, it, it was sciencey as hell. And also, we had fun. Um, but uh, there speaking was karaoke of to be had. There was. Speaking of firsthand, I mean, Brian. I don't even know if you guys want to see me do karaoke because it's kind of amazing. Well, I can tell you that not everybody was amazing at karaoke, but uh, mm. Brian was. Brian was. I had fun. But uh, I, I, I become a different person when the karaoke yeah. mic is in hand. Love that. Maybe you can karaoke in that robe. That would be really I, special. Karaoke <laughs> in this robe. Tell us about the robe, Brian. <laughs> So this robe, uh, this is, like I said, this is my first Christmas present. And this comes from our other presenting sponsor, Section 119. We want to shout out, they are in large part the reason why this show is happening. Um, this robe, it is so comfortable. It's got donut logos all over it. It's got a hood. Check this thing out. Oh, like, it's amazing. I'm just all encompassing. I'm just, it, it really is. I'm just, it's got pockets as well. It's super snug. I'm just going to lie on my couch for basically the next week and a half in anticipation of Fish Planet MSG. I'm going to watch Christmas movies. I'm going to eat food. And when Fish comes on stage, I'm still going to be wearing this robe and I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to be cozy. I'm going to be warm. My heating could go out. Don't care. I got this robe. Everything is perfect. He's made for couch tour. It really is. It's really, I mean, this is like I'm wearing a blanket. It's you know, really, really amazing. You know, what's great with couch tour is the, uh, the set break shower is one of my favorite things. And that's where the room <laughs> really comes in clutch. Cause you know, they give you just enough time. You can get up there, you get all clean, you're ready for bed, but you still got another set and then you can wrap yourself up in that robe. That is a it, pro move right there. It really I, is. And you know, they talk about how like, being there there's no substitute for being there but like over the last year and a half couch tour has really taught me i can get delivery food midway through the first set anything i want to drink anything else i want to eat it's right there i got no lines for the bathroom jonathan has just revealed the set break shower followed by the robe wear that i can just hang out with ah this is good stuff so section 119 back to our presenting sponsor here they were started by a couple of huge fans who wanted more than a t-shirt. And this is more than a t-shirt to show their appreciation <laughs> for our favorite bands. 
It's turned into a huge line of unique apparel for both Fish as well as Grateful Dead fans. Right now, they are running their biggest promo ever. You can score up to 30% off for the holidays. Visit Section 119 and check them out. You can find cool gifts for your wife, your husband, your brother, your dad. I mean, who's dad, brother, wife, husband? Just keep going down the line. Doesn't want a hoodie like this. Or you can treat yourself. Treat yourself. Section119.com. And on your way out, please let them know that we at the Helping Friendly Podcast sent you. Take their post-purchase survey on your order confirmation page. Helps them out. Helps us out. Helps the whole world out as we push out these fantastic threads from Section 119. And I'm getting a little hot with this thing on. It's it's toasty. It's warm. <laughs> so thank you all for hanging with us here as we went through our initial presenting sponsors. This was a fun opening bit here. We are going to jump into the meat of this episode with our first segment, talking about MSG. And I want to pose a question to the two of you. And, and before I do that, just anyone out there in podcast listening land, if you have any thoughts about MSG, if there's any particular shows that have stuck out to you as like great moments that you've been to, or you've heard from fish MSG history, please throw them into the chat. We would love to hear them. But Megan, I want to start with you. You are a resident New Yorker. What does MSG mean to you and what does it mean to fish? To me, I think this is a home game for team fish. This is like when they are at their home court and they've played there more times than they've played anywhere else. They've played there 64 times. So that's not including the times that Trey has played there with other with other people, but Fish has played there 64 times. So that's more than any other venue. They played at the front 53 times, Nectar's 46, Dick's 33. But I think that Madison Square Garden is where they truly feel at home. I mean, Trey lives in New York City and all the others are kind of loosely based in the Northeast. So it's kind of an easy trip for them. You know, they probably stay at like the same hotels every time. I think that familiarity playing at the same venue it really allows them to take risks and go big and go kind of deep with what they're putting forward. I think that like the level of production that they're achieving at Madison Square Garden is just really incredible. And I think that's because of their relationship with the venue and also, you know, with the management, you know, they obviously have a really great relationship with the management at MSG and the Beacon. I also think that there is just something about the people that work at the garden and they really like fish fans. Like they are awesome. They are so generous and kind to fish fans when we're there. And there's just like such good vibes. They're always got like pins on and people are like giving them swag. And there's like this whole kind of vibe. And a lot of them are fans because of these runs, which is so fun. Like you talk to some of the vendors and they're like, yeah, you know, like I've been bartending here and now I got into fish because I've been hearing them from these shows. And I think that's just so cool. There's just such a kind of a – um a good vibe every time at MSG. And I also think it's it's the biggest venue in the country, right? It's the biggest room. So I feel like conquering this room means that fish, they made it to the top. And I think setting up their residency as they do at New Year's Eve, and of course, what we're going to talk about a little bit, the Baker's Dozen, that really put their stamp on it. I think when they raised that flag, the Baker's Dozen, that was a moment that kind of solidified their standing in rock and roll history. I think. I love that. Yeah, you kind of uh, 
touched on what I wanted to get into there, which is the the fact that when they first got there, that was a peak, that was a mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to get there, just to play one show at MSG, that's huge. I mean, yeah. that's, totally. it's like the Carnegie Hall of much bigger places or something uh, <laughs> poetic like that. No, but it is. It's really like, you know, the, 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 one of the most important arenas in the world. And we'll get into some comparisons and things later on, but it was obviously a goal for them. It was a huge deal. And uh, they climbed that mountain. And what what do you do to top that? Well, obviously you come back and play multiple nights and sell out multiple nights and then do it again. And then something like the Baker's Dozen. And then you beat Billy Joel eventually because he probably will have to stop playing someday, as we were saying earlier amongst ourselves. You know, <laughs> I, that is that's the thing and and you're absolutely right as well uh on your first point is i mean trey lives in new york city that is home fish doesn't really have like you know everybody thinks of fish as being from vermont of course that's where they started but they'd never truly had a place like that in the northeast proper you know boston garden didn't really do it for fish like they had they had some shows there but it never caught on as the place for them uh i think they shut it down built a new one or something up there i don't know boston that's a whole other town um but the point is msg is like it's the spot and they kind of own it it's kind of great it's kind of amazing yeah you both said so much about it i mean one thing that comes to mind is there's such a conversation right now in America about your place of work. And are you a remote worker? Are you, do you work in an office? What does that signify about quality of life and about like, you know, the the type of work that you do? And I think it's really interesting to think about a band that like, you know, they have, Trey has the barn and like when the band wants to get together and rehearse and record, the barn is a place where they can go to. And, you know, it's a type of place that, uh, probably very, very, very minuscule amount of fans have ever seen um, or ever experienced. It's something that we just kind of know eternally as a place for them. Um, but beyond that, like if Fish is going to go out and do their job, which is to play concerts for people, it's going to be one venue in one city. The next night or two nights later, another venue in another city, maybe they do a two night run, maybe they do a three night run as they do in certain uh, parts of the country. But, you know, in reality, their job is consistently on the road. They don't have a home office that they go and play in. And that is what defines them. Aside from kind of MSG, it's kind of their place, as you were saying, Megan, like Trey has a house there. The guys stay in, probably they have like a deal in a really nice hotel that they are familiar with, that they know the staff there, that's near restaurants that they like to go to. I imagine Paige comes with like a couple of printed out Yelp reviews of particular coffee shops, you know, restaurants he wants to check out while he's while he's in town. Um, Mike, I'm sure, has his shoe shops that he goes to. Fishman, you know, has a couple socks. of bars he likes to sock shops he goes to. <laughs> Fishman has a couple of bars he likes to jump in and out of where he sees like cool little like weird blues bands and whatnot. Like they probably 
it's like for any of us who are from out of town, you come to New York and suddenly there's this adult playground of restaurants and bars and music venues and cool areas to walk around. And for them, it's become this, you know, tradition. They go there every winter right after Christmas. They have played now, you know, they played a three week run there. And so it kind of feels as close as you'll come to like the home office and like the, the, uh, headquarters of fish if you will where where they go to this venue and it everything just kind of works they know where the coffee machine is they know the people who are letting them in and they walk on stage and there's no thoughts there's no questions whatsoever other than we're walking on stage and we're playing in the garden we know the people who are going to be here we know the way the room sounds and not only is that the venue for them like jonathan was saying they never really had that until let's call it 10 years now when like MSG really became Fish's home court. Not only do they have that type of venue, you kind of want that as a band, this like place where you know where all the cracks are, you know, all the sound, like what the sound is like there, but it's Madison square garden. It's a venue that any international act that is touring America has to play Madison square garden to really feel like they've made it any band that's on their way up that really takes themselves seriously and wants to level up as a band from a financial standpoint, from a distribution standpoint, from just like, you know, their known quality or, you know, around the rest of the world has to play MSG. It's just one of those venues. And so for fish to have that be their home venue, it kind of adds to the aura of like fish being the, worst kept secret in the world you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know all this stuff about that we all talk about them constantly we have friends who like this is a part of our lives but you know the larger mainstream media is not t- necessarily talking about fish but oh by the way they can sell out 13 straight nights at madison square garden just the weird dichotomy of this band exists in this venue it's so weird that that's the case. It's so weird that Trey can walk around New York and it's not even a big deal. You know, he doesn't live that kind of life that like a big celebrity in New York would live. It's so interesting. And I think it's also, Trey loves New York. Like I, I think, you know, he spent the pandemic there. I think he just has a real soft spot for New York. You know, he would go there as a kid. And um, I think, you know, the music scene in New York is really inspiring to him. And I think that living in New York is really hard. And it's, it sucks a lot of the time. There's a lot of just crap you have to deal with, but getting on the subway and going to MSG to see fish is one of those moments when you're like, yeah, this might, this might be worth it. Like this, this is so (laughs) awesome. (laughs) So thank you, Trey, for making it worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk, um, this, so we want, we wanted to talk about not only what does this venue mean to mean to fish. And I want to thank really quickly before we jump into this next segment here, Noah for shouting out the gin peak from 1230, 2015, a classic MSG moment where the band coming off of one of their best years plays this shoegazy bathtub gin. That is one of my favorite jams the last five or six years. Um, We wanted to talk about three runs at Madison square garden that we did not touch on through our March, our historic March through fishes, 1229, 1230, 1231 shows. Um, That is the 1996 run, the 2009 run and the Baker's dozen. Um, The 1996 run is really interesting in the sense that 
Fish conquers MSG. I I say inter- interesting can go multiple ways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fish conquers MSG in late 1994 and plays this crazy tweezer, plays this amazing Wilson, plays this you know show in the middle of an excellent New Year's Eve run. That now they are they have played MSG. They've reached this kind of new level. Where do they go next? Well, they come back the following year. They play 1230 and 12395. 123195, as we talked about, may be the best non-big Cypress fish show that there is. We can get into the nuances of how you track that. But then they play MSG just two random nights in the fall. And fall 96 is a I don't know if I'd say controversial but it's kind of an underwhelming fish towards fish in transition. There's amazing moments. And if you really want me to go off on a soapbox, I will gush about November, 1996. Good. <laughs> go ahead. Just take it. Like I, I give you, I'll set the timer and you go ahead for like 60 seconds. Yeah, it's just the timers. rough. It's the rough edit of 1997. And there's so many great jams, so many great sets in November that fly completely under the radar because everyone focuses on 97, but you really hear the remain in light sound almost mm-hmm. immediately as they move into November. But a couple weeks earlier in October, they play these two shows at Madison square garden and they're fish shows, you know, that's technically correct. That's technically sure what are. do you guys what do you guys kind of uh bullet point thoughts on this 96 run? Uh, I'm not a guy who listens to a lot of 1996 fish on purpose. Um, <laughs> I think it's telling that the jam chart notations for the first night involve Trey on the mini kitten simple. Okay, cool. Interesting. Unusual. And the fact that possum is played like at a different key. I love the <laughs> Not... chart notation. It's so sarcastic. Right. So here's an odd one. It's, it's, the entire it's, song is played in a different one. lower key. Go, Go figure. figure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's telling, right? So good. Yeah. Um, it's it's almost as telling as when you go, well, we'll get to another there's an, another show that we're probably gonna touch on here this this episode where there's like zero notation in the jam chart. That's kind of telling too. Uh, but we're not there yet. Um yes, yeah, so these shows, I mean, they're they look okay on paper. They're and I think they are okay. Uh it's not like Fish was playing bad in ninety-six. It's just that they were not um at this moment quite popping off as as the kids yeah. say do the kids say that anymore um <laughs> curtain in the runaway gym opener looks banging and certainly not the right crowd and, to and, assure and, you yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh and probably Playlist. is pretty cool um and i don't know then there's the buddy miles merle saunders sit in there's like um, so many sit-ins on this tour. There's a lot of so people, were horns and harmonicas time. and dancers, and it's it's there's a lot of things happening. In 1996, they were the famous famous rock and roll band Fish. Um, everybody <laughs> yeah. wanted a piece of that. It's really I weird because I saw I saw like a majority of my 1.0 shows in 1996. I saw 16 shows that year. Wow. Like, I saw yeah. zero, which did you? Exp- yeah, yeah. Well, I had a baby. In yeah, that you June, were so in that place. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. I mean, it, it seems like 
when I think about those shows, I mean, I had a lot of fun on all of these tours. Like I saw Sacramento, LA and that famous Vegas show in like late November, early December. So it was, you know, like a month after these MS shows, but it was also after Remain in Light. And I feel like they were playing a little bit differently after that. Um, yeah. And I think that like, it's almost like a bridge, this tour. It's like, you know, yeah. kind of between like early mid nineties when Trey's leading the jamming and then there's like these groovy jams they dabble with like after Remain in Light when they're all kind of like working more together, which obviously they develop masterfully in 97. But when I was there, I was just never analytic. Like I was totally just immersed in it and just, you know, enjoying the shows just and the, having just fun. Just immersed in it. Just yeah. having a blast, man. Just having no. fun, man. <laughs> like just going to see fish, you know. Well, of course. Like, dealing with all my drama because I was 19, you know, whatever. But I think that <laughs> – um, thinking, <laughs> listening back, it's like, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there's some good moments. I think that like, you know, the, um, I think this on the second night there, the mic swept away steep into Weekapog is pretty cool. Like that's, I mean, there's some, there's some good moments. It's pretty rocking that mics. And, um, I really like swept away into steep, you know, it's, there, there's some interesting stuff. This freakapog is pretty weird. And there's like some weird YouTube footage of that. And it's yeah. just, there's a lot going on in that stage. <laughs> yeah, <like> there is. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at this and the thing that like makes me want to, well, I'd like to hear talk. God, I'd really love to see them play talk. You know, yeah. these are the kinds yeah. of things I miss from 96. Like, you know, totally. Mystic mini stage, songs like talk, uh, swept yes. away deep and, Things like that. It's it is a very pre Halloween '96 show mm-hmm. or pair of shows. Isn't it weird that they were playing like so differently, like a week late? I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Well, it's it, almost. It's like it's all bottled up. Mm-hmm. It's it's bottled up, and it it like it's part of the reason that I love the immediate post Halloween shows. Is you you usually hear the band shift and and like not only have they presented something that's been kept a secret from all of us now that's off their chest that's off their shoulders they don't have to worry about not stumbling into a song from halloween especially if they're going to play a cover album and you may know what this is um but also playing it live will inform the way that they're going to play going forward the thing that's always interesting to um, to me about this period of fish and it's like this two week stretch from October 15th when the tour launches to essentially Halloween um, when the tour changes drastically is it kind of gives you a picture of who fish would have been had they not gone through the 97 reinvention, you know, like it's, it's Mm. elements of 1992 to 1995 fish, just not as exciting. You know, you get these classic fish songs in second sets your Reba's can be in the middle of a second set and it can be like a traditional, like Reba is always going to be in the middle of a second set type of thing. Whereas now it's kind of a shocking moment. Um, Down with disease. It's the second song of the second set on 1022 does not jam. It's a great disease. It's got a really good peak, but it's kind of just the last period where fish could showcase their songs in the second set rather than be expected to come out and jam. And so it, it's kind of this, I don't know where fish goes if they continue to be this band going forward. And it almost seems like this week, pog groove, groove, the, the freak pog 
it kind of taps into what we were talking about last week with like New Year's Eve shows, where it's like the band wants to utilize the show aspect of New York rather than the musical aspect of New York. And you get that in this week of Pac. Which is weird. And fun. Which is weird. And cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's and it's not not a it's not a halloween show it's not a new year's show it's it's just random incident and you know perhaps if they had never established the new year's tradition at msg this kind of thing would have happened more there for yeah other yeah. appearances because it's always the the show jazz hands show side of things uh from trey in particular is it was always there and it was always going to be there. And he, it was going to have to come out at some point from him, um, either with more musicals or just different fish. And so this is a good example of it happening. It's a really good point. And we're going to jump to jump ahead to 2009 because it's a really good point you made about if New Year's Eve mm-hmm. or, as we'll get to the Baker's Dozen, were not... Like if, if if the New Year's Eve run did not become when Fish played MSG, they would have probably played MSG on a regular touring cycle as they came through the country. Like every other band, right? Like every, every other, other band, band mm-hmm. on that scale, right? And I don't have I'm not privy to the information of the touring planning of um late 2009 but as i remember hearing at the time why not brian you really should have had that ready for today you didn't email well now that i have the robe they give me they give me (laughs) deep deep insights um (laughs) no but as i remember hearing in 2009 they hadn't planned the fall tour when they announced coming back and so msg 2009 Mm. was already booked I i don't know who played msg 2009 i know 2008 was my morning jacket but they had to play, they played Miami that year. And so their MSG return was in early December, which I remember a ton of hype and a ton of buildup because it was a three night run. They end essentially the tour. They play one more show in Charlottesville, which seemed like. I was there. That was fun. It's a good show. I'm coming for you if you do. Come across the country, no, man. I'm right here. No, it's I'm um, waiting. I'm, waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. Look, look it's like not a heavy random when you re- recognize that that's where their management is based, and you right. start to notice mm. that a lot of people managed by that organization have shows in Charlottesville. It's and thing. so that was that was where the tour finale was. But they play these three shows that kind of showcased a lot of where fish was at in 2009 but also showcased kind of the challenges of fish playing just a random tour stop at msg um it seems like new year's really fits them really quickly what are your guys thoughts megan what were your thoughts on the uh 2009 run that um as we talked about before we went live you could not be at for a variety of reasons yeah, I wasn't listening to a lot of fish. I was listening to them, but I wasn't seeing a lot of fish then. Um, I had a one-year-old, and I was pregnant again, so I was really just doing Good a reasons. bunch of boring right stuff all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it was not <laughs> planned. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't listened to a lot of 2009 fish, so it was cool to go back and listen to some of this. It's not my favorite fish. I think there are some moments that are that are cool in these shows. I think the down with disease on the second night is just 
really soaring, pretty energetic, blissy peaks. I really like that Down With Disease that opens the second set on the third. I love um, that version. That's a really, really good Down With Disease. And then I really like um, the You Enjoy Myself that closes out the second set on the last night. I think that it's just like a joyful groove. It's like really energetic, really dancey the whole way through. And the vibe seems like it was great. That whole second set of the last night on the fourth, I thought flows really well and had some nice moments. Yeah. You know, I usually have issues with the ratings on fish.net and I think they're pretty, maybe just only slightly inflated because of the, you know, recency bias of when people were Mm -hmm. marking these off and, you know, not putting them into broader perspective. Right. So 2009, I contend does with certain exceptions and there are many exceptions throughout the year uh doesn't have a lot of replay value it's fish working their way back to being fish Mm -hmm. Uh, i had i saw a bunch of shows that year i had a blast um i saw that charlottesville show as i mentioned and i did not see these i had a bunch of friends who went to these and they had the best time but that time was as much as anything about all of us being together. And in this case, they were at MSG and, and yeah, how great is that? Yeah, you're getting to see fish again. And, yeah, yeah, you know, fish at the garden. And it was the old garden before the renovation yeah. and everything. <laughs> and um, and these shows are fine. They are mm-hmm. very 2009. They're very much of their time, just like the 96 shows. Uh, they don't bust out into anything particularly mind-blowing i mean there are some bust outs i mean they play the first peaches in uh some mathematical amount of years 10 years um and they uh, love when they play that song (laughs) yeah it's great and um the the disease is really good and then you enjoy myself also very good and um light i think there's a light in one of those shows it was that's that's pretty really really yeah time one yeah Mm -hmm. that's pretty um and you know, and light really was nice. like the song for that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pretty, I feel like I saw one at Charlottesville too. They were playing it a bunch and doing something with it. And yeah. uh, you know, so not bad. Uh, if you're gonna, you know, go see fish for three nights somewhere, I think you would have done yourself just fine by doing that in 2009. Yeah. Is that a rave? I don't think that's a rave review, but I didn't knock it, did I? I think you guys, no, I, think I think you're both being accurate. I think it's, you know, it's interesting that the only, I, I can only speak from my personal experience. I, I, I got into fish in hiatus, as I've said, and their, their return show was at MSG, which, you know, at that time it was maybe their 10th show at MSG. Like it wasn't, uh, I don't have the math exactly on me right now, but like they hadn't played a ton at MSG. It was still, it felt like mm-hmm. an accomplishment whenever they would come back there. And so they play that O2 show Trey plays a couple of solo shows there, like opening up for Tom Petty, playing New Year's with the Black Crows. The comeback for the hiatus was the 13th Fish MSG show. Wow. Assuming I I almost ran out of toes, but I got there. There you go. Um, But then they don't play MSG as a band until 2009. It's they never return mm-hmm. there in 2.0. Obviously, the the breakup happens. They come back, and I just remember throughout 2009 being online. Twitter had just launched. I was still on another fish forum site that um, sounds like Schmanishy Schmoor. Um, 
there was all this hype generated around no fish going back to MSG. And I remember being like, I don't get it. You know, I knew the MSG 90, the 95 show, my favorite fish show of all time happened to MSG, but I was kind of like, it's not, I don't know. Like, is it really that historic of a venue? And obviously we've seen so many shows and we'll talk about this here in a second. The Baker's dozen happens in at, at MSG, but I just kind of remember in 2009 personally being a bit perplexed and then they show up there and they play these three very 2009 shows as you guys have discussed. And it wasn't until the next couple of years that I was like, okay, I told, and when I went to MSG finally in 2012, where I was like, I get it. You walk into this venue and you just kind of feel like rock royalty, even from a fan perspective, because it's just, it's so well laid out. The staff is amazing. You walk into the arena and like the ceiling looks like you've seen it in rock documentaries and on, you know, NBA on NBC games where they, you know, it just, it has this vibe to it. And then the band comes out and they play, you know, at another level. So this 09 run, I agree with all of your highlights. The only one I want to throw out is the first tube, which is um, mm. one of those brilliant moments that doesn't fully come across on tape, but every single person I've talked to who was in the room says that it was a transcendent and life affirming experience. Um, and uh, it's one of those things you just, you would have loved to have seen. Um, I'm going to pivot really quickly because we're going to talk about another big run at MSG here, but I think it's going to take us longer than two minutes to cover the Baker's <laughs> dozen. So I want to take a quick break. Have us all tell you listeners out there. Thank you for hanging with us about our presenting sponsors. Megan, would you like to tell us about our first presenting sponsor here? Sure. We want to once again inform you that HF Pod on Tour is proudly presented by Shift Genuine Cannabis, which is based and sold in Brian's home state of Colorado. Shift sells flour, pre-rolls, cartridges, and concentrates. So visit shiftcannabis.com to learn more. So if you've been hanging with us here, you're like, and you came in after the first ad reads, you're probably like, who is that guy wearing that just amazing robe that clearly says he's a fish fan but says he's a fish fan in comfort and dare i argue style luxury my friend luxury yes. luxury is the word i mean i'm just totally. like, sitting back here you know just bring me my croissants and my coffee and let me get my holiday day started um <laughs> all of this not, not all of this but all of this can be yours with through section 119 we want to take a second here to shout out our second sponsor, Section 119. They are running their biggest holiday promo ever. Their biggest promo ever. You can score up to 30% off for the holidays. Visit section119.com to check them out. Find cool gifts for your wife, for your husband, for your brother, for your dad, for your sister, for your niece, your nephew, your cousin, whoever, your best friend, podcast co-host, whoever it may be. You could even treat yourself. They won't ask those questions. It's just 30% off. It's amazing. Section 119.com. I'm going to tell you all about our good friends at Sunset Lake CBD. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. You all probably heard of them. 
2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. Uh, with product for everybody, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, CBD coffee, crafted to help with your stress and aches and pains. I use their uh, hemp salve for my hands. Uh, and Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping that high-quality CBD product directly from their farm to your door. Visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use the promo code HFPOD for 20% off your purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code HFPOD. I'm glad to know, is that pronounced salve? I didn't know if it was salve or salve. I never know how to pronounce that. It's salve or or salve. Some, some might say balm if mm. you're in a Seinfeld episode. Um, <laughs> but that's salve. Yeah, there you go. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. What's next, Brian? We're going to get to uh, this. There's got to be another important run or something at hmm. Madison Square Garden. And it's obviously when Led Zeppelin filmed the song Remains the Same. <laughs> so that's a great transition because we've been talking about these five shows that happened in transitional years. I guess even better of a transition in Fish's history. Fish plays MSG. They do these four night runs in 2011, 12, 13, 15. 16 and they're kind of like okay where do we go next and they do this amazing thing where they combine the history of the grateful dead where the grateful dead would pull into these venues and play 10 shows there over like a two-week period in time and they combine the just magical nature of the holiday season where fish pulls into madison square garden and plays four shows and caps off this new year and they even said, hey, we're going to conquer these off-holiday runs that uh, we played in years past at Madison Square Garden and turn a random three-week stretch in the middle of summer into as close to the holiday season as Fish fans could anticipate. And that is, of course, the Baker's, the Baker's Dozen of Summer 2017 13 shows at madison square garden three weekends of three night runs and two tuesday wednesday two night runs which to my mind and my ears kind of capped off where fish was going as they built back from 2009 onward you could 
debate, and I don't know if we need to here, but you could debate the merits of 2015 versus 2017, but like the size, scope, jamming, creativity, set listing that they'd been kind of hinting at across a eight-year period in time peaks over three weeks at, at the Baker's Dozen. And it, I, I just want to, I want to interrupt you because I want to ask everybody who's watching to jump under the comments and give us their favorite Baker's Dozen moment so we can get to those here in a couple minutes. So sorry, yes. Ryan, I just think that, you know, give everybody a chance to think of it, plug it in, type it in to the internets and uh, sorry, and carry on there. Please, please, please. No, that's good. The only thing I was going to add is that it, put them in a position where they transitioned and everything that I would argue that we've heard since the Baker's dozen has been a direct reflection of what the Baker's dozen was kind of in the same way that everything post big Cypress for a while was this response to big Cypress. Um, did I get it all? Did, did I get anything wrong? What are you guys thoughts here about the Baker's dozen? I think you covered it. Let's move on. No, I mean, it, it's so Ooh, I didn't say no repeats, no repeats, yeah, right? Not no a single repeat across three weeks. It's um, everything you said and so much more. Like Metallica talked about it in one of their weird, like, sound check videos where they used to like stream their sound checks backstage and they're just shooting the shit and talking about it. And of course, they don't get fish, they throw them a little respect, but then you know, the offhanded uh, must have been a lot of covers. Well. It was covers. They did. They did do covers. Um, sure, but they got a lot of material. Metallica. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think they. They didn't yeah. quite perceive what happened here, <laughs> and and I think that nobody really can if you're not dialed into what Fish does, because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like oh they played 13 shows. Well, fine. Pink Floyd played blah blah blah, but you know Pink Floyd plays the same set every night. Uh, Metallica doesn't. I will give them that much credit. Um, you know, they didn't just play different sets every night. They worked, they shaped around themes. They coordinated, uh, an element with the fan experience by, you know, partnering with federal donuts to give donuts to fan audience members. And they entered and played the theme that connected to the donut. And like, who does that? That's just <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's just someone who tacky. loves their fans, someone who right. loves their fans exactly. and wants to create like this further, this language and this dialogue between the band and their fans, right? Like the inside jokes that just grow from these type of experiences are just same, same so... people who build the festivals in mm -hmm. completely random points on the map. Not completely, actually. I think they're kind of strategically placed out of the way points on the map <laughs> and build like little wonderlands for the fans. Um, it's those people, those same people who they care about their audience in a way that few bands of this scale care. Because um, it, and you hear them say it, Trey talks about it, it's this connection that they are continuing to try to build. It's not just so we keep buying tickets though. It's because they genuinely they enjoy want it. to share this experience oh, yeah. with us and build something bigger than just a group playing a show. Cause yeah. they could get away with just doing that. I mean, the dead, hmm. you know, barely, they had a, you know, a kind of a nice light show, but it was pretty laid back. They didn't wear any costumes. They barely even talked to us and they built a nice mm -hmm. little thing. 
fish could do that and we'd still go we'd still love it but um but they go they just they always want to go higher yeah i i love what you said there megan and i want to just emphasize it and expand on it because you think about a pre baker's dozen fish universe versus a post baker's dozen fish universe mm-hmm. there was a lot of conversation and communication about between fish and the audience and jonathan you were talking about that like there were decades of things that we could point to of oh fish loves us fish is like one of the best bands at connecting with their audience the baker's dozen introduced all these rhythms for three weeks that i don't know about you guys like it was really hard to transition to that first week or two without the baker's dozen like it's always hard when (laughs) fish tour ends and i'm like oh man i don't have a couch tour to look forward to i don't have another fish show a new fish show to listen to kind of got to get back to just like normal rhythms of like life but like i still remember standing in line at a nordstrom's i don't even know what i was buying but i was like standing there waiting to purchase something and my friend texts me and he goes oh my god they're gonna release a donut before every single show it was that friday the 21st <laughs> and it was this like part of the show that like i didn't even considered and it became this rhythm of like wait when is the donut coming out what's the donut oh my god what are the cover songs that they can play and it just highlighted the entire night and i want to shout out listener jacob moreno who said the best moment of the baker's dozen for me yes was when the jam filled donut was announced oh, also the top just peaks uh, that jam filled donut they played it was the only one that they released following a show so they played the sunday night red velvet show and they released jam filled and it was one of my favorite moments to be in like the digital fish universe because everybody (laughs) lost it collectively like what does this mean are they going to play a single song are they just going to jam for two hours like what is going to happen here yeah those uh like hours of conversation between the donut announcement and the and the first set right were so exciting and i was only mm-hmm. at a handful of these shows uh but you know paying pretty close attention uh i was involved in the podcast of some kind i think and um and of course listening to all of these things and on twitter and we'd be like oh my god uh, uh, coconut what what are they <laughs> what the what the hell song has coconuts in it you know and uh and we got there we found a few but you know, then they open with "Shake Your Coconuts." Oh my somebody God, called that. I'm sure opener. somebody called that. But like, <laughs> really? um, you know, and strawberry, strawberry. Some guy said "Strawberry Fields Forever" on Twitter, and everybody was like, "Come on, no," <laughs> you know. And they come and, on, they played acapella, right? I mean... What the hell? Ah, um, and I, I could run the list, and I won't, but. I mean, it's just that that was so exciting. And then the music was good. Like Fish is playing pretty well Ugh. in 2017. I, I, my recollection of the shows that preceded Baker's Dozen is virtually nil. I, I, they, they, I know they happened. I can't remember what jams were worth a damn or anything like that. But I remember a lot about what happened at the Baker's Dozen. And I mean, they just, they played they played so well this is totally the run that like reinvigorated me i i felt like i had you know been a little bit removed i had seen them like once a year kind of in the last like 
you know, seven, eight years or whatever since they got back together. And when this was announced, I was like, this is just so epic and such an unbelievable thing to take on. And I was so inspired by it. And I went the first night and I went one of the middle nights, the maple night. And then I was like, I have to be at the last night. And I went on like one of those like crazy rabbit holes with like someone I had just met once who was like willing to go with me. And like, we just did whatever we could (laughs) to get tickets. And like, it was, it was one of those like crazy moments where I was like back to being 19 again. And I was like, I have to see this fish show. I don't care what happens. And I just feel like that moment when they played You Enjoy Myself and like the build up to that first peak, it was just like I've never felt anything like that in my entire life. Like the whole entire building was just bouncing and just like the release of that energy of just built up was just so phenomenal. And I was like, okay, I'm back in. I'm back in like 1,000 <laughs> fucking percent. I'm back in. And like it was just – it was awesome. I, I'm so impressed with them for this. And it was just like ev- like you're both saying, it was just so exciting and inspiring. And you just never knew what was going to happen. And like everything was tied in together. I mean, like it was just the universe is a donut. I mean, they just, it, they thought of everything. It was so, really so cool. So cool. Do either of you have a favorite, and if so, a favorite show of the Baker's Dozen that kind of like encapsulates it? Was, was it? Glaze night for you, Megan? Yeah, I mean, I think the last night was just the anticipation and the build-up. I was so excited about it, and I feel like the energy in MSG had been amazing every night, but that night it was just, like, totally amazing. And I just felt like the encore, you know, was so good and emotional and watching that banner go up. It's just a moment that I feel really glad I was in the room for. But there are so many, so many good shows in the Baker's Dozen. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick, especially there was, like, Leading up towards the middle, there was just some, I mean, starting at Jamfield and the next few nights were just, I think, epic. Yeah. I, you know, I, I might pick that one too. I don't think I have a favorite though. I was there for that one. I saw Cinnamon and I saw, I don't know. I should have done my homework. I don't know. What was the other one I saw? <laughs> um, I think we saw the same. I saw the lemon, chocolate, uh, cinnamon, and uh Jimmy's night that weekend. Yeah, I didn't see Jimmy. No, I, I I did a couple like uh like hit. You know, it came in for the. Uh, I did the final weekend, and I did like a Saturday night or whatever for. Uh, we did an HF pod live, mm. and I saw that show that so night fun. too. And and um, but like, I think the jam was it the uh, the simple jam on the the eight six the last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I swear Paige started to walk to the theremin. I was sitting right behind Paige, low behind the stage. And oh my God, so was I. That's so funny. We might have been really close. <laughs> and it probably were. And he started to walk over there. And then Trey started playing Rise Come Together. And I was like, fuck, God, I need some theremin in my life. <laughs> I, 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 like, I, the only <clears throat> thing that can make me unhappy in the entirety of this whole thing is the fact that Paige turned around and walked back to his keyboards. Uh. <laughs> um, but uh, that, yeah, that was amazing. And I was definitely crying at, as they played on the road again. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and laughing my ass off when they did Lawn Boy Reprise. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I, I, I'll go with that. 
but I reserve the right to change my answer at any other time <laughs> you may ask. Yeah, I always go back to Powder Night. Um, yeah. I love yes. the set list. I love Finger. Come on. I mean, Powder Finger is no matter what band I'm seeing, I want them to play Powder Finger. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's like a top five song of all time for me. And um, like, I don't want to head, head down too far of a tangent, but like, I had a chance to go to Jamfield and Powder Night. I was I was leaving a job, and for whatever reason, I put in my final day to be July twenty sixth, which was Powder Night, and I wasn't thinking about this sort of stuff at the time. And uh, when they announced the Jam Filled Donut, my wife was like, "Just go, we'll meet you in New York," because her and my son we were all going up for the second weekend of the Baker's Dozen. And I was like, "No, I got to be a good employee. I got to finish out strong. I don't want to blow them off. I've got to, one thing. I've got to wrap up." And she was like, "It doesn't matter. Like, just go." Yes. And I was like, "No." And she then, of course, right. she, she was, was so, so right. right. I, I uh, was like, "How good can Jamfield be? Really?" Yeah, that cross and they come out, painless. Oh, they open up with sample, so and I was good. like, "Ah, they fooled us all. They're not really gonna like. Totally. It's just gonna be a total joke." And I was like, "I won." And then they fucking jam out sample in a jar and lawn boy and like 20 minutes in a lawn uh, boy i'm like what did you do so anyway but i i, I had those those shows were like a, a sore spot for me but also like i can't deny their brilliance and that second set of powder that then ends with powder finger is one of my favorite things the band has ever done um my, uh brian real yeah. quick as a man who's been fortunate to be married for 21 years let me tell you very clearly your wife is smarter than you. Listen to your wife. <laughs> yeah, she rocks. All right. She knows what she's talking about. She knows what she's talking about. She was right. And um, I was, I, I will say Anytime your like, partner says, go to a fish show, just you pack go to your a bags. Fish. You pack your bags. Go to the show. Go. You, you've been given, yeah. you've been given the, the pass. <laughs> I will say though, like one of the things that was amazing about that run was, you know, at that time, if you think about 2016 fish, they still weren't, jamming with like as much consistency as they are now and it kind of took this stress of like are they going to jam off the table like i remember at mm. double chocolate night when they started playing chalk dust the entire crowd looked at each other like this is going to jam like we just know it it's the second song of the second set and it goes off into this i know you rider peaking amazing jam that i just um I absolutely loved it. Uh, it was amazing. I think we could talk about the Baker's Dozen for a long, long, long time. And I want to shout out really quickly Noah, who who recommended the, a song I heard the ocean mm -hmm. sing, which was another one of my favorite moments as well. Before we close down here, really quickly, we're going to do rapid fire. We've talked for almost an hour about Madison Square Garden and a, the brilliance of Madison Square Garden. Megan, is there another venue, a comparable venue that comes up for you from a Madison Square Garden standpoint? I think it'd be Dick's. I think they love it there. I think any place they set up like a mini residency that they go back and play just killer shows at really often. I think that to me seems like, like I've always wanted to see a Dick's run. Like it seems like just so much fun. It seems like a place they really love. Fish loves Dick's. Fish loves Dick's. And as a resident here in Colorado, I, I will agree with you. Dix was my pick as well. It's the only other venue that now is like based around a holiday 
and has mm-hmm. like its own thematic year to year carryover. What about you, John? I, I'm just going to go ahead and say Hampton. Uh, Fish loves Hampton. I love Hampton. Hampton is an old building, no amenities. It is the opposite of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> it has, you know, you're lucky they take a credit card at the at the merch. <laughs> and at the, like I don't, I don't even know how they do it. They must have really good Wi-Fi for those people because there's no way there's wires running to all those stands to buy your sodas and your beers. Um, and <laughs> it's all GA. Um, it's amazing. It's concrete floors and it's small and nobody should go. Just stay home and wait for your local show or go to Dick's or whatever. Just leave it <laughs> to us Virginia people. It's not big enough for you anyways. But that's they they like to play there. They pick it for a reason. Um, and the mothership. I, will, I will always go. I'm going to go there once. I've never been. I really want to go there once. Even if I have to take some Virginian seat yes. uh, just for, you know, those three shows, I'm going to do it. I um, want to do it too. <laughs> Sorry. It's a, Sorry, it's a good it's a good call though uh about Hampton because um we may or may not be talking about Hampton uh in the very near future as it's adjacent to New Year's Eve. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but we may may be doing that. Um I think those are all good picks. I think you know, I would just quickly throw out Alpine, Deer Creek, The Gorge. Bill Graham has kind of become this way. You know, these Spack. are all venues that like have a vibe. SPAC, they have a vibe to them. So before we close down, one last question for you all. Jonathan, what is your favorite MSG show? How much time you got? No, it's a 1231.95. There's no question. It's I don't I don't have to think about it. I don't have to talk about it because we've talked about it. Everybody knows you probably have you have it on CD, you've got it on your iPhone, you got it on your iPod, you got it on your Rio MP3 player, you got it on your <laughs> all the shelf. devices. It's it's the it's it's sorry great show best show maybe um i love it megan um i mean i don't want to steal yours brian so in an effort to be do different it. do it um, no, do i it. mean do, do it. it all right i mean it's obviously 12 30 97 like that yeah, my favorite show is 12 30 97 no oh go yeah ahead. Sorry. it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's the best it's the best fish show and it's the best MSG show. But I will say second for me really is that 3.0 203019. That is a really, really good show. It's a great, great pick. Yeah. 1237. Mm. You don't have to answer that. I don't want you to get in any trouble. So yeah, you just think for real. All right, I'll think about it. <laughs> she didn't want to get your answer. Yeah. She didn't want to take your answer as well. No, yeah. 123097. That's that's it. That's that's the fish show for me. Um, it's okay for you guys I, to be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> Someone has I to think, be. I think in our bonus segment, we are going to talk about all the fish shows of MSG that we haven't talked about. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think we did a justice here to the non-New Year's Eve fish shows. And uh, I hope that everyone out there enjoyed our March through 96, 09, and the Baker's Dozen. And kind of just like this testament to what msg means to fish and to all of us um we will be back for one final live episode before the hopeful new year's eve run that is uh, going to happen here in about a week um we're going to be talking about our 2021 2022 
MSG wishes? What are the bust outs we're hoping for? What are the jams we're hoping for? What are we hoping to hear from the band as they wrap up? It's really challenging, but just in the fish circle, fascinating and incredible year of fish. So we will see you right back here um, on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Before we do that, Megan, want to take us out with our first ad read? Yes, we want to remind you again, HF Pod on Tour is proudly presented by Shift Genuine Cannabis, which is based and sold in sunny, beautiful Colorado. Shift sells flour, pre-rolls, cartridges, and concentrates, so please visit shiftcannabis.com to learn more. Thank you, Shift. And we would also... <laughs> Hello, cool, Brian. Well, back to the mic. Seriously, heavyweight, heavyweight Brian Brinkman. <laughs> Said what? <laughs> we would also like to tell you about our second presenting sponsor, a knockout sponsor, if you will. Section 119. I'm wearing a section 119 robe right now. This is my first Christmas present for all of you who are jumping in late. It's like the most comfortable robe I've ever had in my entire life. And it also tells people, because I need more people to know that I am a fish fan. This is and you my, see a lot of people when you're in your robe, right? I see a lot of people. I, I just keep the door open and I hang out with my cup of coffee. This is uh, the Magnaball Tweezer Caspian. Thank you, Mike Hamad. And my robe. And I'm like, hey, do you like fish? Yes, who I am. <laughs> do you like going to see the same band hundreds of times? Let's be friends. This is what we can be friends over. I've actually made friends with uh, the neighbor because their dog had a donut collar. I'm not sure if it was Section 119 or, or some other. But, you know. We're going to talk about Section 119 before we close the show here. They are running their biggest promo ever. 30% off for the holidays. Visit Section 119 to check them out. Find cool gifts for your wife, for your husband, your brother, your dad, your best friend. Maybe someone you just like met on Twitter and you're like, hey, you seem like a cool person. I want to buy you some cool gifts for Christmas. Buy them something like this to let them show the world that they are a fish fan as well. Section119.com. And with that, we're going to sign off here. We'll see you back in the same place, same time, different day, Thursday, December 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern to talk about MSG 2021-2022. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, John. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are the Honest AF Show. 
Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.